Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. My name is Egberto Woolies. We are here today with a special guest, Tim Paglaria, will talk to us about something that affects most. Tim Paglaria is Forbes book author of Another Big Lie, How the Government Stole Billions from the American Dream of Home Ownership and Got Caught. Paglaria is founder, chairman, and chief investment officer of CapWealth, an independent SEC registered investment advisory firm near Nashville, Tennessee. He was named by Forbes as the number one financial advisor in Tennessee in 2020. Uh, Tim, welcome to Politics Done Right. How are you doing today? Terrific. Well, you know, the, before we get into the guts of what I want to talk about, uh, did the government still steal billions of dollars? Yes, they did. Really? You're going to have to really explain that to me. Anyhow, uh, first of all, let's, let's get busy about what is Fannie Mae and what is Freddie Mac. People use that. Everybody uses it when they're going to buy their home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But really deep down inside, they don't know what it is. So before we get started, let's get a baseline. What is Fannie Mae? What is Freddie Mac? It's easier to start with Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae was created in 1938 by FDR and Treasury Second Secretary Morgenthau. And it was designed to fill a hole, a gap that existed in our financial system. The unemployment rate was 25%, home prices dropped 50%. And in that kind of environment, the regulators tell the banks don't loan clean up your balance sheets, do all of that. And so that's what we describe as a pro-cyclical business model. So people were being thrown out of their homes, put to the streets. You remember those images? Oh, yeah. So Fannie Mae was created. They bought loans, home mortgages from banks. They restructured them. And the 30-year mortgage was born at that point and it created affordable payments prior to that in 1938, the average home mortgage was less than five years. And so how do you requalify to get a new loan if you don't have a job and housing prices are dropping? So it created a measure of financial security that had not existed. It solved a problem in the system. Freddie Mac Wait, was- Wait, before, pre- I, before I, I want to make sure that we have this clear uh, to the audience. So you're saying Freddie, I mean, Fannie Mae was created uh, to, it's sort of an insurance company for big banks, correct? Well, actually, no. What it, what it does, they buy, so in your community, a small community bank, they will take an application for a mortgage and they will put that into Fannie Mae criteria. Then mm-hmm. Fannie Mae will buy that mortgage from your local bank and then they package them up and they sell them to insurance companies and others. Actually, I, I, I understood that and my, my bad. I shouldn't have said big banks. I just meant for banks. In other words, what it did, it's an insurance company, what you just explained that says, I can give the loan, I can make all this money off of giving loans to people, the closing costs, etc. And if I follow the Fannie Mae rules, I can then sell that paper to Fannie Mae who then will package it as some sort of a financial instrument. True? true? Exactly. Perfect. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. So, so um, I, I have some issues with that, but we can talk about that later on. Now, what exactly is Freddie Mac? Freddie Mac was created in the late 60s to provide the same service to the savings and loan industry. So it was specialized to the savings and loan industry, and they would purchase loans from them 
to increase the amount of borrowing that they and lending that they could do at the savings and loan level. Well, so, very informational. And what's the difference between a bank and a savings and loan? Why we needed two different platforms? Well, back then when we had that rigid structure, you know, which was basically broken down, we don't have that anymore. So that's why today Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae operate simultaneously, synonymously. Um, and they're somewhat competitors of each other. But savings and loans still exist, correct? Not in the structure, the, 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 the regulatory structure that they did in the 60s and, and 70s and early part of the 80s. So they're, they're not the regulated entity that they were before, the franchise that they were. So they may have, be called the savings and loan, but it's not the same regulatory structure that existed. Okay, now um, let, me, let me give you a picture of what I, what I saw in 2008 and the narrative that I generally put out for 2008. And that is what we had was the financial sector making big hay, creating financial instruments like derivatives upon derivatives, which became cyclical till we had the house of cards that fell on itself. But then again, I'm telling you my narrative, I'd like to be corrected by you. But then after all of that occurred, we needed to find a scapegoat that gave the financial sector a, a buy. And what we did is we said, well, Fannie Mae started giving loans to a whole bunch of people, or rather, affected, allowing the affection of loans to a whole bunch of people that couldn't afford homes, and they crashed the market. Government did that. Tell me I'm wrong. You're, that's a, the narrative that existed, and it has been debunked by the St. Louis Federal Reserve. But more importantly, the Federal Crisis Inquiry Commission, 92% of all the loans that went bad in the financial crisis were originated in the private sector, private label mortgage-backed securities. So despite the fact that Fannie and Freddie had over twice, almost three times the amount of business, their loan losses were tremendously lower than what was issued by say Citibank um, and the other big banks that were just engaged in reckless lending practices. Aren't you, didn't you just make my case, my friend? I did, I, I agree with you 100%. Okay, great, I, I, I'm just checking because you know, I don't know, but anyhow, so tell me, um, how did we, how did the bank, well, I th let's start it this way, because you have uh, some discussion points that actually I am surprised your discussion points are this good coming from. I mean, it, it is it is pretty good. So let's start this way. What does your book unveil about the 2008 crash? That there was a fraud and the fraud was that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac caused the financial crisis. They did not. It was the big banks that engaged in reckless lending practices that caused the crisis. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have always been the champion of the little guy in providing Agreed. home mortgages. Agreed. And now, those people, those people that bought homes and saved to get in their home, they were not the problem. 
The problem was the speculation that was created by poor regulation of the large banks, money center banks. It, it, that, that is so amazing. And, you know, that is one of the reasons, folks, I'm going to repeat this during the, the, um, this show or our interview because I want people to get your book. Go get that book because many folks are misleading you. Another big lie, how the government stole billions from the American dream of home ownership. I'll have that link in here, but for to understand our entire financial structure, this is an important part that you you should have, folks. The link is going to be in the bottom of the blog. Um, okay, um, Tom, uh, Tim, um, explain which banks. How did these banks actually manipulate the system uh, to really pull out and then come begging to us all at the end? Well, take for example, Countrywide, which was a mortgage, oh, yeah. mortgage loan originator. They engaged in reckless speculation fraud they had these no income loans people anyone could get a loan without proving whether or not they were capable of paying it back so these banks kept issuing more and more loans they were like playing with the house money and the taxpayers were on the hook for all of it you know that that is amazing i want to i want to in, put a quick story this is your interview but i want to put a quick story that really burned me a friend of mine, uh, you know, still a friend, uh, went to Vegas and bought a home that was really worth no more than $200,000 and took out a million-dollar loan on that home, okay? And I said, you'll never be able to sell that home for that. Who gave you, who, who appraised that home for that for you? Uh, well, you know, it's done. I said, you don't ever intend to pay that back, do you? He said, smile. He never answered. He just smiled. And that that goes into uh, something that you've just said there. How could we have allowed that to occur and whose fault was that? Yeah, that was the regulator's fault. That's what Dodd-Frank was all about, trying to correct it. The ironic part about this, I have always said Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth of the financial <laughs> crisis. They had to push them into service to save the system. They had no other way of doing it because the big banks had created such a mess. And I document every bit of it in the book. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it, it's been a process. It started with a disagreement with Senator Corker, who he and Mark Warner, for example, mm -hmm. they had a bet against the housing system. Mark Warner and Bob Corker bet against America. They Wait, stop, owned stop, 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 stop. That is new to me. And I thought I was red. Explain that to me again. Are you saying they, they shorted the market? That they shorted that market? Yes, they owned a credit default swap. Wow, Abacus eighteen that was buried in a hedge fund called the Pointer Fund, and this is all in my book. It's all in the research. They bet against America, so they bet that the housing prices would go down, and they made between twenty-five and fifty million dollars a piece shorting the system. The counterparty to Abacus 18 was American International Group, AIG. So it was issued by Goldman Sachs. The counterparty was AIG. And when they bailed out AIG and Corker voted for it, he essentially voted for his own bailout because 
that credit default swap would have failed. And from that point forward, Corker and Warner were advocates for a big bank solution that would have cut out the very people that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were, were created to serve. Tim, that's a hell of an allegation against a, two senators. Well, I think one's gone now. Uh, that's a hell of an allegation. Why isn't that all over the place? It was documented in an article that Bethany McLean wrote in Yahoo Finance, but everybody glossed over it. No one wanted to deal with it. Abacus 18 was the largest single investment in the United States Senate through disclosures for a two-year period from 2007 to 2010. And Corker and Warner owned it. You know, I'm still in shock. You know, I, I that that is a shocker to me. And you know what is interesting? Because I've always said, you know, the bankers are able to do what they do because they owned both sides. And I, you're you're just proving that right there. Twenty five million dollars a piece. Is that documented that the actual profit that they made? Twenty five million dollars a piece. In Senate ethics disclosure, they give a range. They give a range of what they owned and what they made. And it's somewhere between 25 and $50 million a piece. That is astounding. And it, it's, I mean, it just shows you the power of banking that that wasn't picked up by other networks because that, that I think is a, that should be something that somebody talks about all of the time. It's the them. Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal wouldn't write the story. Matt Taibbi at Rolling Stone had a twelve thousand word article uh, written. Yes. You know Matt, great of journalist. Yes. And Rolling Stone stopped the article in August of two thousand and seventeen when Corker was attacking Trump because it served Rolling Stone's interest to have him attacking Trump rather than deal with what was going on in the mortgage industry and mortgage finance reform and housing reform. So this was all big bank centered. And they have been attempting to drive a big bank solution that takes away from those homeowners. That's why I said they got caught. They tried to redirect billions and billions of dollars away from the American dream of home ownership. You know what is ironic when you talk about these guys having they bet against America and betting against America because the system was about to crash. More than likely, those default swap, those credit default swaps were worth nil because it was based on one that already failed. Right. That's right. And that's why they've got the big bailout. Right. Because now all those guys are made whole. Yeah. In August of 2007, we have it on Corker's financial disclosures. He sold every stock, everything he owned in his account. And 45 days later, he had a net short position on the U.S. economy. He had been briefed by Treasury about the difficulties that were going to occur with the Financial Accounting Standard Board rule in November of 2007. He knew these problems were coming. There were people that were tipped off that knew these problems were coming and they shorted the system. And Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac got caught up in all of that. Um, 
you know, I am still I am still in shock. Now, let, let's go a little bit further now. Tell me a little bit more about what uh, people who get your book are going to find uh, shocking. I don't know if as shocking as what you just said, but tell us a little bit more. Well, first of all, it'll educate them about the housing system and, and, and the origins, like when we started, you know, 1938 to the present. It will also give them a good understanding of the inner workings of government and the big money interests and how they attempt to buy off the system and, and how the system goes back and forth in this endless battle of money and special interest groups. You know, the, the Wells Fargo, for example, benefited more than any other bank in the United States from the initial proposals that were made to restructure Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, which would essentially have shut them down and made a big bank-centric model. Well, during that same period of time, we're talking about Senator Corker, he had a $62 million non-recourse loan through a partnership he was engaged in that Wells Fargo provided him. Now, how's that happen? What does non-recourse mean? You probably don't know it. I don't know it because We've got to pay our loans back. A yeah. non-recourse loan is a loan you don't have to pay back. And so because it was non-recourse, Corker didn't have to disclose it on his financial statements. So we never <laughs> knew that that conflict of interest even existed. So that's what they'll find out. They'll get a, a feel about that. They will see how the government leaked information about their plans to put Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac in conservatorship documented emails, Freedom of Information Act requests, it's all there in the book. And then we tie it up in December, December 9th, the United States Supreme Court heard oral argument about the theft of this $350 billion from the housing system. They will issue their opinion sometime in May, maybe early June. And, and what's ironic, the most liberal members of the court, led by Justice Breyer, said, you nationalized these companies. You stole these companies. He's talking about the government. The government nationalized these companies. And, and that's, that's the story. To okay. the detriment of the American homeowner. Let me, let me ask you a little something. They, in effect, they nationalized the company, meaning... Uh, it was, we, we had sort of a social solution to a problem that shouldn't have been. In other words, we paid all, all you know, all, all the debts to get out of there. What is the recourse? Because in effect, what we did is we gave away a whole lot of money to a whole bunch of rich people. What's the solution? The solution is to set these entities up have them adequately capitalized, have them reflect what we've learned from the financial crisis with the kind of regulation that we need, and let them get on with the business of helping American homeowners for the next generation of home ownership. That's what we need to do. I, and and, let me see if I understand what you're saying right. You're saying you want a robust Fannie Mae, a robust Freddie Mac, correct? Is that what you're pretty much saying? Adequately capitalized for the taxpayer, for the next generation of home ownership. And let me stop you right there, because as I read about you, you are really, a, you're a capitalist. I'm not, you're a capitalist. Fine, that's great. Uh, and you're saying this, uh, you know, explain yourself. Well, I, I grew up working in a grocery store. I'm the oldest of seven kids. 
you know, just because I'm a capitalist, I understand how hard it is, how hard people have to work. And I understand the wealth creation that comes with owning a home and the pride that comes with owning, owning a home. I know how good it is for American people to be vested that way. So you've got to do things to support the system and to eliminate, like I said, there's a flaw. Any system has flaws. You know, the, the exhaust port of the Death Star made it vulnerable in Star Wars. So this is the same type of thing. We fixed a flaw in the system that will make it more stable and it will ensure that Americans actually get to own and, and, and maintain their homes in good times and bad. Tell me a little bit about Investors Unite. That was a, an organization that I started. It's an advocacy group. Initially, again, and it's this push-pull that goes on with the financial interest, they blamed this whole issue on hedge funds and the property rights that hedge funds were attempting to assert. So they tried to put a bad face on it. Well, that wasn't the case. Investors Unite, we've got teachers, firemen, police officers, pension funds, individual business owners, they are the shareholders of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. It's their property interests that I wanted to put a face on. That, those are my clients. And so I started this organization to represent my clients and to represent everybody else similarly situated around the country. Tim Paglaria, the last question, and I always ask this one, and it's the most difficult one. What would you have liked me to ask you that I didn't? I hope that if people that read the book, in addition to what I talked about with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the system cries out for financial disclosure reform. I would have liked for you to ask me, you know, about how important that is and how that would have solved a lot of these problems because we would have known about Corker's so tell me. financial interest. We have to have an independent commission to look at it, it's an easy thing to solve. You know, when you have rules for financial disclosure that are being written by the people that don't want to disclose, that's a problem. And so the loopholes that exist allowed guys like Bob Corker to have a $60 million non-recourse loan with Wells Fargo while he sat on the Senate Banking Committee and wrote rules that affected them. How can you do that? How can you have that type of system that allows for that? How can you bet against America by buying a credit default swap and then bail out the very insurance company that was the counterparty that created it? So at the heart of all of it, we've got to follow the money. We've got to have reform, financial disclosure reform, and new rules to keep this from happening again. Tim Paclaria is Forbes book author of Another Big Lie, How the Government Stole Billions from the American Dream of Home Ownership and Got Caught. He's also the founder and chief investment officer of Cap Wealth. Mr. Paglaria is a capitalist. I call him a free enterpriser that fits perfectly within our world. Mr. Paglaria, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you for having me on your show. 
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.